So, what's your name? Audrey. And what year are you at App? I'm a junior. And you would like to share a theory with us? Yes. So, um, my theory is that the night air isn't as good or healthy for you as air during the day because the sun's not out, so the plants aren't photosynthesizing, so you're not getting as much oxygen, which is why you have to sleep, and people get sleepy and do crazy things at night. Thank you for sharing that. That was really interesting. You're so welcome. Uh, We're going to be in in John chapter 14 tonight. And uh, John's in the New Testament, so that's like the last third of the Bible. And um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Uh, If you have a handout, we have handouts. And uh, it has the passage in it. And you can read it on there, or you can look in your Bible. Or if if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, we would love to give you one in these lovely young ladies in the back supporting the University of Oklahoma would be happy to give you a <clears throat> Bible. Um, so while you're turning there, uh, my wife and I don't go to the movies a lot because we have two small children and that means that your life is over and you're poor. And um, So we don't usually go to the movies, but for some reason we broke our no movie streak on Monday and we went to see Gone Girl. And uh, judging by your response... You've heard of it. Um, it's a David Fincher movie. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Okay. Um, it's a David Fincher movie. He directed like Seven and Social Network. And he's great at creating this sense of like something really bad is about to happen at any moment. And Gone Girl, lots of really bad things do happen. And so, yeah, but it's good. But this, please don't take this as a recommendation from me and tell your mom when you go with your mom to see Gone Girl. But the RUF guy said we should go see it. Because there's a lot of violence and there's a lot of sexual violence. It's very intense. Anyway, I won't give it away. But the loose plot is that Ben Affleck, he's not Ben Affleck in the movie. He has another name in the movie. And um, he, he and his wife, his wife is Rosamund Pike. She was like the, the blonde sister in Pride and Prejudice, the good one, the Kira Knightley one. Okay, so now I have every girl's attention. Thank you. And um, I do watch it. And it is a wonderful movie and I cry. And anyway, but she goes missing, and so they're trying to figure out what happened to her, and it looks like she was murdered. And anyway, the way that the movie is structured, all that's to say, the way that the movie is structured is around her journal. That she has taken this journal, and it sort of walks through her, her journal up until her last day before she goes missing. And those are sort of her last words, and they're trying to figure out what happened to her based on what's written in her journal. Um, last words are, are very important. I wonder what you would say to someone if you knew this was going to be the last time you ever saw them, like what would you want to leave them with? I think about this a lot when I leave my house. I say goodbye to my wife and my kids, and I'm like, what if something happens to me? Like the, the, When I said, get back in the house right now, that would be the last thing that my child ever heard from me. Um, uh, and, and think about that. And so this passage tonight that we're, that we're reading from John is Jesus' last words to his disciples. It's not the last words he ever said. But it's the last time he had a real substantive conversation with his disciples. He's telling them, look, I'm about to go die. And uh, so this is the last thing he has to say with them. And, and these disciples, these 12 like, sort of best friends of Jesus, they had committed themselves to Jesus for three years. And they had, they had you know, uh, ate, slept, drank Jesus nonstop. They followed him. They left their jobs. And now he's leaving them. And so he's leaving them. And these are his words of comfort for them as, as he leaves. So if you want to read with me and, and John, I'm going to read off the sheet too, so you don't feel like a scrub. Um, 
And also so I don't read the wrong thing. Okay, so John, this is, this is the word of God. So let's read together. Uh, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, but you didn't know there was two Judases. Uh, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, you, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. It's the word of God. Let's ask his blessing on it. Father, thank you um, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Holy Spirit, would you be with us now? That you would attend to your word, that we would um, see you and know you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for bearing with through that long uh, passage. Um, this is Jesus' last words, and the comfort that he wants to give to his disciples at the end is he says, look, I'm going to send this, this person known as the Holy Spirit. Okay, tonight we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been going through the Apostles' Creed this semester, and you'll see that in your, in your handout as well. And tonight we get to this very simple statement, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And if you spend any time in Christian circles at all, you, and maybe in certain circles you're like, oh no. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm starting to feel very uncomfortable right now. I'm not sure where this guy's going to go with this. Um, the Holy Spirit is a bit, um, I would argue in some ways, misunderstood. But definitely, there's a lot of question marks about the Holy Spirit. And um, what I want to do tonight with you as we consider what does it mean to believe in the Holy Spirit, is I want to look at three questions, okay, and see what the Bible can tell us. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? And how do we engage with him, how do we engage with the Holy Spirit? Who is He? What does He do? Um, and how do we engage with Him? Um, and keep this in mind. This is what I want you to keep in mind as we go along here. When Jesus wanted to give comfort to His closest friends when He was going to die, what He told them about was the Holy Spirit. 
Okay? So for his closest friends and for anyone that puts their trust in Jesus now, this is a word of comfort to us. And the Holy Spirit is actually called the comforter. So who is the Holy Spirit? Um, Jesus says here in the passage that the Holy Spirit is another helper um, that is sent by him and sent by the Father. Um, We've talked about this a lot this semester, that God, there's one God, but he exists in three persons. Okay, There's not three gods, there's one God, but he exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're all equal. They're all the same substance. They're all God. Okay, I know this is kind of mysterious, um, but they have different roles. Okay, just the other day I was talking with a Jewish friend, and um, you know, folks of a Jewish persuasion would not believe that there are three persons in God. They say God, there's one God, and He's one person, which honestly <laughs> makes a lot more logical sense. Um, but be that as it may, he said, if you believe Jesus is God. What's with all this stuff of Jesus like saying, you know, I can't do anything unless the Father lets me do it. The Father is greater than me. I only speak what the Father told me. Why would Jesus say that if he's God? And that's a good question. And the answer is this. While all three persons of the Trinity, this is like a theological nugget. While all three members of the Trinity are the same in substance, they're equal in power and glory. They're all equal to God. They all have different jobs. They have different roles. For example, in redemption. Okay. The Bible breaks history up into four distinct sections. History is not a circle, but it's a, it's a linear narrative. It's going somewhere. It breaks them into this. The creation, okay, we're all into that, okay, creation. The fall, when sin comes, okay, and then redemption, and then glory. Redemption is what God is doing to save people from sin, okay? You got me? Um, so in this act of redemption, all three persons of the Trinity have a different job, Okay? The father, his job is he's kind of the one that came up with the plan. He's the driving force behind it. He wills it to happen. The scripture says that before the foundation of the earth, he had set this redemption in motion. Okay, that's the father's job. The son's job, Jesus, is to accomplish redemption. That means, okay, the person that came down and was incarnate and went to the cross and all that stuff is God the son. The father did not go on the cross. The Holy Spirit did not go on the cross. Okay? You guys are like, what does this matter? And it matters. Um, The son comes. He takes on flesh. He lives a perfect life. He dies on the cross. He's buried and he rises again. That's how he accomplishes salvation. That's what he does. He's the one. He's the active agent that makes this redemption happen. Okay. All right. So now this is a question I don't think we tend to ask very much. But Jesus did that 2,000 years ago. Okay. This is something that's agreed upon. Um, just kind of go like this. Um, you're like, yeah, sure, 2,000 years. That sounds good. Um, whatever you say, preacher boy. Um, <laughs> how is it the case that what Jesus did a long time ago has anything to do with me? That's a valid question. How is it that, that I become part of what Jesus has done? And when you're asking that question... You're asking about what does the Holy Spirit do? Because the Holy Spirit comes to make us partakers. He applies redemption, okay? The Father wills it. The Son accomplishes it. And the Spirit applies it to us. He brings our story and and our sort of strand along together with this thing that Jesus has done in space and in time. Okay, so it works like this. Jesus gives us a new record and takes away our sin. We talk about grace in RUF, okay? This is something we, we, we go on and on about. 
I don't want you to come tonight and not hear the best news you ever could hear, which is that in God and in what Christ has done in space and in time, he can take all of the bad, evil, dirty, dark things about yourself, even the stuff that you don't even know, and he can take them away and he can give you himself and he can give you what is good and right and lovely and pure and clean and he gives it as a gift. When you hear the word grace at RUF, I want you to think, God is giving me a gift that I don't deserve. Do, do you know that? I, have you heard that? Um, I don't want you to leave here without hearing that. So Jesus does that, and the Spirit comes, and the passage says that he's a helper. Okay? The, the, the Greek word there is parakletos, or paraklete. They might say that if you're looking in the King James. He is this, this one that comes alongside of us. To aid us and encourage us and to bring this work that Jesus has done to us in space and in time. God gives us the gift of his grace. But God knows us a lot better than we know ourselves. And he knows that even if he gives us his grace, we will still doubt his goodness. Okay? Have you ever felt that? Like, if you're a Christian tonight, I'm not assuming that you are. That you're like, yeah, yeah, I I believe that God actually became man and died for me. But I'm not really sure whether he's that good of a guy. Like, have you ever felt that? Like, I'm not sure if I can trust him. I'm not sure if I can really get behind what he's doing. The Holy Spirit comes to help us in that way. He walks along with us. So that's who the Holy Spirit is. Um, But how does he do that? Um, Well, Jesus says a couple things. He says the Holy Spirit convicts us. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this feeling. I remember very distinctly um, when I was first kind of coming into interaction with any of this Christian stuff. I did not grow up a Christian. I grew up in a a wonderful home with me and my mom. She's wonderful, beautiful, loving. In case she's listening right now, which she's not. Um, (laughs) Because how would she be? And... and, um, But we we didn't do the Christian thing. We didn't have the gospel. We didn't go to church. Nothing like that. But I remember... Very vividly, this feeling where I had felt bad about things that I had done. I felt bad about things I was doing. And I felt guilty sort of like generally. But one day when I was in the shower of all places, I had this feeling, I had this realization. There's a God and he has something to say about those things. And then I was like, oh no. Um, This isn't good. It's not just like my own feelings of guilt. It's like there's a God and he thinks something about that. And he thinks something about me, and I had suddenly come under the conviction of sin, that there was something wrong. Maybe, maybe you've felt that way, where you've gone from just feeling generally bad about something to like, and God has something to say about this. That is the conviction of sin. That's something that the Holy Spirit does. Um, he gives us eyes to see and ears to hear, where we see ourselves and go, that's sin, and that's, that's yucky, that's wrong, and God has something to say about that. And the Holy Spirit can convert us. But what Jesus really says here when he wants to comfort his disciples, look what he says here. Look in um, verse 18. This is really, really good news. And I hope it doesn't just, I'm praying that it doesn't just like pass over us. Look, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Okay? Um, and, th- and then skip down to in verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. What Jesus is saying is, I don't know what you think about God. I know some of you guys are Christians. I know some of you guys aren't. I know a lot of you guys are trying to figure it out. Um, If you think that God is away, if you think God is distant, if you think that he is aloof, Jesus is telling you that you're wrong. 
And he's telling you that if you come to him by faith, God himself will actually come and live with you, actually live in you. He will come and indwell you. Like, it's surprising that at a point in time God became a man. It's even more surprising that God would want to come and live inside of us. Um, That's amazing. If you think God's out there, he's not. He's here. He's here. And he's in you if you come to Jesus. He's right here. He's not afraid of sinners. God is not afraid of you. He's not, he's not disgusted with you. He wants to make his home with you. Do you know that? Um, part of my job, one of the cool parts of my job, because um, you're probably like, what do you do all day? Because I only ever see you doing this on Wednesday. And it's great. I work half a day a week. I get paid tons of money. And um, part, part of my job, though, is visiting churches and that like care about RUF and care about Appalachian and tell them how things are going. Okay, so this past weekend I was in Charlotte, QC, Res up. Um, not a lot of Charlotte pride out there. Uh, so I was in Charlotte and I was at this church and I was sharing about RUF and um, there was this guy, this Czech guy, which means he's from the Czech Republic. For those of you that don't know that, um, not Chechnyan, but from Czech, the Czech, Czech Republic. And he is a he's a church planner in Prague. And Prague is actually considered like one of the, the least religious cities in the world. Um, it's like 90-something like percent of people, if they were checking a census form, they would say that they are atheists. Okay? So he was talking, he's this Czech guy, and he was really, really interesting. And I was like, kind of man-crushing pretty hard on this guy. And, um, sorry, honey. And, uh, and he was talking, and, and he said, you know, he's like, I read Matthew 9. Matthew 10 is where Jesus sends out his disciples and they do a lot of stuff. But in Matthew 9, um, Jesus is healing people. And he said, I got to wondering, like, what? Maybe you've thought this. Why does Jesus heal people in the Gospels? Like, when Jesus was walking on the earth, he could have done a lot of things. He could have, like, just, uh, uh, like alleviated, like, poverty. Uh, alleviated? No, gotten rid of poverty. Um, he could have done a lot of things. He could have done a, like, a, like a political takeover. But he, he mostly healed people's diseases. Like people that are disabled or had a disease or were hurt. Um, he healed them. And he's like, why is that? And he said, I came to the conclusion that that was because that's the, that was the greatest felt need of the time. In the first century, if you got sick or you got injured or you were born handicapped, they basically just like anointed you with oil and were like, I hope that gets better. Because um, there wasn't really like a whole lot that they could do medically to help you. Okay? It was just kind of like you, like there's a woman, she has like an issue of blood for like 12 years or something like that. And um, so Jesus goes around healing people. He says, because it's the greatest, that was the people where they felt like they had the greatest need. And they were the most helpless. They come to help them. And he, and he said, I got to wondering like, what's our, like in Prague, you know, this is sort of post-Christian Europe post-Soviet Eastern Europe, what would be like, what would Jesus be about if he was here now? And uh, he said, I'm, I'm convinced that it's loneliness. Um, I think he's right. He said, he said, I think loneliness is the reason why the, church, why the pubs and the bars and the clubs are full and the churches are empty. Not because there's booze there, even though that's a, that's a bonus. Um, but because people are longing for real connection with each other and community, and they can't find it, and they feel so alienated and alone that they're just desperate to, 
to know people and to be known. And that really um, stuck with me because I'm not like an expert about this campus, okay? But I've been here long enough to know that y'all are lonely and um, that there's this deep and abiding sense of wanting to be known, wanting to be accepted. There's a reason why, like the Club Expo, you can't get all the clubs in like one picture unless you're from like in a blimp. Because there's so many different ways that you could say, I'm about this thing, I'm in this group. Okay, we're, we're on the same page about this. I'm in this frat or sorority. I'm in this club. Um, because we all want to be known and we all want to be part of something. And um, we're desperate for genuine connection. And if you're a Christian, again, not assuming that you are, but if you are a Christian, you've probably felt this feeling, and I know I have and do regularly, that, yeah, Jesus is for me, and, like, he is, is awesome, but that's just not feeling super tangible right now. And I just, I wish I felt that presence more. It feels kind of far off. I, I remember one, one of y'all told me um, one time, like, if I could just have Jesus do anything for me, it would just be that he would snuggle with me. And, like, that sounds funny. Like, it is funny. Like, Jesus snuggling. I was talking to my wife about this. She was like, I would just be, like, crying the whole time. Like, he's snuggling with me. Um, and I think it's just because you just want somebody to snuggle with you. And you're like, so maybe if it was Jesus, that would be cool. Um, but we want to know Jesus in this real tangible way where we feel like he's there. We want to feel connected with Jesus, and God responds to that by saying, what I want to do, you're lonely, you're isolated, you're alienated, I want to come and make my home with you. And I want to live with you. I'm not afraid to be in you um, so that you don't ever have to be isolated and alienated again. Um, And that is comforting. Um, You can't have the spirit if you don't have Jesus. But if you have Jesus, you have the spirit. And that's a reality for you now. What Jesus did is a past reality. Okay? Jesus isn't dying on the cross today. Okay? That happened in the past. What's coming, what we will be in glory is in the future. But what we have now is the spirit. And he connects us to both of those things. And says what happened in the past is, is true for you now. And what's going to happen to you in the future when I make you perfect and take away all the bad stuff is true for you now. I want to make my home with you. Um, Sandra McCracken, she's a um, songwriter. And she has a song, Springtime Indiana. And she really nails it. She says, um, you came in without notice and settled all around my heart. Took up residence in the places that were vacant and dark. I wish I could tell you, but I just can't find the words. The Holy Spirit will come to us and take up residence in the places that are vacant and dark. That is good news, and that's comforting. That's an encouragement for you if you're a believer, that that's true for you now. Um, Please understand something. I know you're 19, but you don't have to feel like something's true for something to be true. Let me be the first person to tell you that. Okay, we're going to get to that in a second, actually. Um, But if you're not a believer, this is a comfort to you as well. Because that can be yours. God isn't saying, come keep my rules and then I might tolerate you. He's saying, I want to be with you. I want to make my home with you. Okay, so that's who the Spirit is and what the Spirit does. How do we engage with the Holy Spirit? Uh, If you know anything about the Holy Spirit, he's somewhat unpredictable. Um, Jesus said he's kind of like the wind, you know. If you feel it coming, you feel it going, you don't know where it's coming from, you don't know where it's going. So to some degree, the, the spirit is somewhat unpredictable. 
But, and here, here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm just going to lay my cards out. The way that we engage with the Spirit is through the Bible and through the church. And you guys are like, dang it, that's sort of a letdown. Um, and I want you to be charitable with me for a minute and know that I'm, I'm not picking on you as much as... I just want to tell you what I think I hear about the Holy Spirit, typically, in most circles that I run in. I'm not, like, quoting anybody, okay? Just generally. This is what I generally, the feel I generally get. We interact with the Holy Spirit one of two ways. One is I would call the Darth Vader way. Um, uh, you know how in The Empire Strikes Back, you know, he, Darth Vader is, like, fighting Luke. And, you know, he says, Luke, I'm your father. And Luke's like, no, and he's missing a hand, you know? And, uh, which is cool because it's cauterized. Cause it's, anyway, um, and, uh, and you know, what does Vader say? Search your feelings, Luke. You know that it's true. Search your feelings. It, you kind of you get like this, and I do this too. You got a big decision coming up, okay? Thinking about transferring to Wilmington. Thinking about moving off campus. Thinking about dating this boy. I'm thinking about getting a tattoo. Um, but it's a Christian tattoo. And uh, so what you do is you go, I don't really know what to do. I'm not sure. I'm going to seek God's answer to my question. So you go on a walk. And you take your journal. As you do. And uh, maybe you go on the parkway when it's beautiful. And you pray and you walk around. And, um, and you think really hard about how you feel. And at the end of it, you decide, I really feel like I want to stay in Boone, move to Wilmington, move off campus, stay on campus, date this boy, break up with this boy, get this tattoo, get this other tattoo, whatever it is. Okay? And then you come to me, and this is what you tell me. Chris, I think God's telling me to move to Wilmington, to stay in Boone, to get this tattoo, to date this boy, whatever. Or worse, God wants me to do this thing. And what you mean is I spent a lot of time thinking about how I feel and I decided I feel like this. Therefore, that's what God wants me to do. Search your feelings, Luke. What, how I feel is what God... Okay. God may want you to move to Wilmington. He may not. Okay? I have no idea what he wants you to do and neither do you. Okay? Putting that right out there. Um, so that's, that's, the, that's the Darth Vader for search your feelings and then you will know the will of God. Okay. Um, the other way is I call the hint of lime tortilla chips way. Um, <laughs> but you guys all know where I'm going with that. Um, no, of course not. I love hint of lime tortilla chips. Um, they're the best. Let's be real for a second about tortilla chips. Thank you, Hannah Hayworth. And uh, so the other day I was eating hints of lime tortilla chips, and I pulled a chip out, and I'm not kidding, it was shaped exactly like Africa. And um, I had this moment where I was like, maybe God is calling me to Africa. <laughs> and I was like, which is weird, because I feel like I like Boone, and I like App, but maybe. And then I started thinking... These are tortilla chips. <laughs> and these are a hint of lime tortilla. That's kind of a South American you know, flavor. So is it Africa? Is it South America? <laughs> they are shaped similarly, and it's a chip after all. And, um, but then I was in Charlotte, and there was all these guys from Prague, and I was man-crushing on these guys. 
And I was like, what about Eastern Europe? And I started thinking, Holy Spirit, you are sending some mixed signals here, man. Um, because you're supposed to tell me through the coincidence of this tortilla chip, your perfect plan for my life. And I can't quite figure it out because you're confusing. Okay. Maybe it's just chips. Um, can I be the one to tell you that you may over-spiritualize the Holy Spirit? Um, okay, I'm just having a little bit of, of fun with you like that. Um, there's the Darth Vader way. There's the hint of lime tortilla chips way. Um, here's my two problems with, with those things. Number one, what you're doing, I told you at the beginning that the Holy Spirit is God. That means he's the sovereign creator and ruler of the universe. He's not your spirit guide. He's not your spirit animal. Okay? I don't know what your spirit animal is. If it's the weasel or the penguin or the, the <laughs> unicorn or whatever. We treat the Holy Spirit like our spirit guide where we go like, spirit guide, lead me. Um, and I would argue to you from the scripture that that's not who the Holy Spirit or what he does. Okay? Um, I need to calm down a little bit before I start offending people. Um, uh, my se- so that's the first problem, that you treat them like your spirit guide and not the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit. My second problem is, um, I think maybe it's just easier to say God is telling me to do this than it is to take responsibility for a decision. I know what it feels like to walk in the cereal aisle and be like, I don't know, they're all great. Um... <laughs> Some of you guys are, like, so stressed. Like, I want boys to ask me out, but I only want to be that one boy. You know, like, there's too many options, right? And I know, like, you feel crippled by the options. And so, like, you're just terrified just to pick one and go with it. And so it's easier to pass, like, hedge your bet with the Holy Spirit good vibes. That I feel like this, so that's what God's telling me to do. And I'll go with that. And if it fails, it's God's fault. It's not, it's not that I made a bad decision. When we relegate the Holy Spirit to hunches and coincidences, like I was going to go to Upper Wilmington, and then I woke up, and I was like, this is going to be the day, and I saw a commercial, and it had a mountain on it, and I was like, thank you, God. I'm going back. I'm going to be a mountaineer. Um, it's it's kind of like this. I'm, I'm telling you, and I'm not going to unpack this because i got a timer now, but your life in Christ is life in the spirit. And that life happens in the scripture and in the church. Those are the only places I know of in the Bible where the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to show up there. Uh, you know, where two or three of you are gathered in my name, I will be with you also. Will is going to talk about the church next week. It's the communion of saints. It's the communion of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit that are working out their lives in Christ together. The Bible is called the sword of the spirit. Need I say more? Um, Jesus is telling his disciples here, I'm going to bring to mind all these things and you're going to write the New Testament. And that's how I'm going to speak to you. Um, you guys know Louis C.K.? Um, Louis C.K. has this great bit and it's called, of course, but maybe. And um, I think this is kind of how we are. And I'm going to, I'm going to close with this. Um, he has this thing, he says, you know, there's this part, this thing I really believe, and I hold it true, and I know it's right, and I'm like, yeah, of course, but then there's this small part of me that's like, but maybe, so he says, you know, like, 
like kids with, with nut allergies, okay? Of course, some of you have nut allergies, okay? So, um, of course, we should protect children with nut allergies. Of course, okay? People that handle and prepare food should separate all the nuts, okay? We should make sure that these kids get all the care that they need, right? Of course, of course. We should make sure they have their medication on them all the time and that we're ready to help them. Of course. But maybe if just touching a nut kills you, you're supposed to die. (laughs) Okay, this is Louis C.K.'s joke, not mine. And he's like, maybe if we just do like this for a year, like there won't be any more nut allergies. You know, but maybe, no, of course, of course not. Of course we should not do that. Of course not. Um, I think that most of us go, of course my life in Christ happens in the communion of saints and the word of God and he's leading me and guiding me and I have these tangible ways. But maybe uh, this commercial I saw or this hunch that I got, maybe, no. Listen to this good news. God loves you enough to give you tangible guide and direction for your life. And he says, look, the Holy Spirit promises to meet you and show up as you relate to others in the local church and as you relate to God in the scripture. That's where he's promised to show up. And that is for our comfort. Isn't that a a comfort that God loves you in that tangible way? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your spirit. And forgive us for how we have... um, just mystified you in the wrong way and how um, we've just confused the simple day-by-day faithfulness that you've called us to. Um, Holy Spirit, would you be with us? I pray that there wouldn't be someone in this room that doesn't know a sense of your indwelling in them, Um, that you would lead and guide us and encourage us. And Lord, day-by-day, make us more confident in Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.